Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, it's very likely that if you're listening to this podcast, you're an entrepreneur or a founder of your business, and you created it from scratch, in most cases, from most people that we talk to and that listen into our podcast. However, there may be some of you who may be either acquired a business where you purchased an existing business to get that going. Maybe you bought a franchise or maybe you thought you might want to sell your business one day to a potential suitor. Well, our guest today is Carl Lundberg, and he's an expert at supporting people to become entrepreneurs through acquisition. Now, Carl is a seasoned professional in the field of corporate finance and transaction services as a partner at Gerald Edelman, LLP. Carlos gained extensive experience advising clients ranging from new entrepreneurs to large multinational businesses, offering a wide range of advice to promote their success. Carl has expertise in entrepreneurship through acquisition and search funds, company acquisitions in the UK, due diligence, debt funding, and management buy-ins. He is an expert in mergers and acquisitions and provides a wealth of information to anyone that's maybe thinking about buying an existing business or by finding potential partners or suitors to buy your business. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Carl Lundberg. Hi, Tom. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. My name's Carl Lundberg. I'm a partner in a firm of chartered accountants based in the city of London, and the firm is called Gerald Edelman. Well, I really appreciate you being here to talk today. And one of the highlights and reasons we wanted to have you on is talking about this idea of entrepreneurship through acquisition. And we've had various people on talk about this over time, but I thought it was really relevant to have you on to talk about that. And at first, just as a starting point, to talk a little bit about search funds and and just what search funds is and how that works. It's my favorite topic to talk about, Tom, at the moment. And I think some of my colleagues here are probably getting a little bit sick of hearing about it. But yeah, so a search fund, in fact, a search is something that was created. It was come up with in, in the US. I think it was at Stanford University back in the 80s. It's the concept of, and I think the wider the wider explanation or the wider definition is entrepreneurship through acquisition. So it's a route to business ownership through as opposed to founding and growing a business through acquiring an established business and a search fund is a type of vehicle that's used to employ the entrepreneurship through acquisition model and effectively what it is is an individual or or two people sometimes which are known as a partnered search who are searching to acquire a business to move into and usually to run as CEO post acquisition, but they'll raise a pot of money, effectively their search fund prior to doing that, which is you know there for them to to live off during the search period and and also to fund legal fees and other kind of you know overheads that they might incur during that search phase. So that's a search fund as as the um, traditional model would be. But there are also self-funded searches out there who don't raise the money until they find the deal. And there's kind of sponsored searches as well. So I use the phrase searches to kind of cover all of them. I understand. Excellent. And so for someone that's looking to get into the entrepreneurship through acquisition, they want to create their own search fund for this. I'm just curious, how does that come about? Is it normally through their own network? Are there groups that they're able to tap into? Will you talk through that a little? 
quite often these the, the individuals who set up a search fund will be MBAs coming out of you know grad school in the US. I often joke, and and you know I've I've been told that this isn't you know it's not too far from the truth actually that you know if you come out of Harvard with an MBA on your way out the door with your you know you're just taking your mortarboard off and there's a queue of people with big bags of money waiting to kind of fund your search you know so but I I think that that you know raising the equity actually. Unusually, probably for kind of you know, private equity space, is 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 the easy bit. Lots of people like to invest in these deals. They can provide a really good return for investors. So usually, it would be done through a network. You'd be networking, talking to people in the space. They're normally quite close knit communities, particularly in the UK. There's quite a small kind of search community. Everyone knows each other. There are some websites as well. So there's a website called Search Funder, which you know connects people, and so you'll be put in touch with you know, investors from other searches. There's a group of investors who commonly invest in traditional search funds. And then there's others, and, and some of them are kind of small institutions like family offices and things, who will invest in you know, the equity gap in a, in a self-funded search. So someone finds a deal and brings it to them and they'll fill the equity piece. Um, so there's lots of people out there. There's also some programs out there. So there's a, there's a, there's a business based out of Switzerland called Novastone Capital Advisors as well. And they, um, I think they're effectively funded by a collection of family offices and they run a program where you can effectively interview to go and get a job as a CEO. And then off you go, they'll fund you to, to go and find a business and buy it. So there's lots of routes into it. But really, the best thing to do is, is start networking within the space. Let's say someone is either going to self-fund or they've been able to find the money, like you said. And that has generally been been my experience as well, is sometimes it's easier to find the money. Now that you have it, though, what do you do with it? And so how do you start assessing with due diligence and kind of sourcing and finding that right acquisition, would you talk through that process? Yeah, I think the the ideal situation here, and I think it's probably getting harder and harder to do in the UK. Obviously, the UK is a pretty small market compared to the US. But then, you know, search search funds and entrepreneurship through acquisition is, is, is far more mature in the US. So there's probably a bit more competition out there. But the ideal situation is a proprietary search. So, you know, particularly if you've set up a, you know, a, a traditionally funded search, you can have interns, you can get systems, you can get data, and you can trawl through lots of information and find suitable candidate companies and do a proprietary outreach. And the ideal situation then is that you you become in touch with someone who's potentially interested in selling who isn't on the market. So you find an off-market deal. And that's where you can you can get some real gems. Often I find as well the searchers will will they they do will really tend to be really nice people and they they kind of use that well. And so they'll get to know the potential sellers and they'll talk to them about the business and they'll spend a lot of time meeting them and talking to them and you know effectively dating before before the big day being the transaction. And so look proprietary outreach is obviously the 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 perfect situation because you you, you save on fees on the sell side. You, you save on a buy side search fee that you might have paid. Um, and of course there's there's less competitive tension there from you know the buy side more often than not now though probably you're going to be you know receiving some some deals through from brokers so from agents or M&A advisors and i think most searches will have a, a multi-pronged approach to this because realistically it's a numbers game and and you need to you need to kiss a few frogs unfortunately before you're going to find the right deal it's it's, it's very unlikely that it's going to come along super early 
when you work with your clients and others that you may work through this process, is it common to have, for example, a business broker or some other similar type of representative? Is that something, for example, you might offer? Yes. So our corporate finance team at Gerald Edelman is broadly divided into transaction services and M&A lead advisory, what we call deal advisory. Our deal advisory team do take some buy-side mandates, but most of what they do is is sell-side. So sell-side mandates. So they'll they'll assist usually owner-managers to sell their SMEs. Okay. And so we've got as a result of that we've got a list of you know live sell side mandates that that we've taken that we share with our buyer contacts regularly and so other firms like us will also have similar lists of of you know sell sell mandates and and then there are other more agency brokery type businesses out there as well that have huge lists um often i find and and you know i'm sure others will have will have found the same that those brokers who aren't necessarily Technical advisors will sometimes be slightly unhelpful in that they may have they may have set an unreasonable valuation expectation on the sell side from time to time, and then and then you know on on the TS side the transaction services we tend to provide the buy side what we call handholding the 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 buy side kind of support through the deal but also then we'll scope out and do financial and taxation due diligence and review things like SPA and the the tax and other matters and deal mechanics that are in the SPA, and then ultimately often help with the completion accounts as well, post-deal, depending on whether that's part of the the mechanism. And I understand you have a new award, an entrepreneurship award that you're offering. And so I'd love for you to talk about this award. I think it's really exciting with what you have going on and it is a first of its kind. It's something that I'm very excited about at the moment. It's actually, it's coming up this week, the awards event. And this came about for me, you know, we as a firm will go and attend events, deal makers events and and things like that. And I remember thinking earlier this year when we'd attended one of the deal makers events, so, you know, it'd be really good to to find an event that, you know, focuses on the search space. And and it would be really good to go to that because I really enjoy talking to people about search I know a lot of people in the community in the UK, and it should be really good to attend something like that and, and maybe even become involved. And so I looked it up and I just couldn't find anything. And my initial thought was, oh, that's a shame, you know, someone will someone will come up with this at some point and then we can maybe get involved. And shortly after that, I thought, you know what, it doesn't exist, let's create it. So one of the things that, and, and, and I've said this quite a bit recently, is that Actually, in my, you know, I started training as a chartered accountant in 2010. And, and in all the years that I've been doing this, I've never been involved in something that I find so exciting and, and inspiring. And I think that, you know, if I, when I was younger, if I'd have known about this, it's probably something I would have really aimed to go for. So I just love being involved in it. And so what I find as well is that actually these people are taking a pretty big risk and they're really they're really betting on themselves right to to do well and off the back of that investors do well the lenders get to deploy cash and 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 you know and sellers get an exit they get an exit and a succession solution that maybe in some cases wouldn't have been there just with traditional pe or just with you know trade buyers so i just thought actually we need to celebrate this we need to to have an event and and to hand out some awards and so we created the Entrepreneurship Through Acquisition Awards. It's being held on the 2nd of November, probably in the past by the time people are listening to this, but I'm, I'm sure it will be a really good event. And we've got a number of awards categories. Yeah, it's just something to get a, quite a big group of the community together in London. 
I like that you're creating an award and offering some recognition for sometimes what can be an overlooked part of entrepreneurship. My career has been spent in franchising, and so there are International Franchise Association and lots of awards and recognition and things that are broadcast about it. But when I think of entrepreneurship through acquisition, it's pretty quiet in terms of how that looks, right? For a traditional founder startup, there's lots of exciting things for an entrepreneur there or even some for franchising. So what are some of the criteria that you look for in giving out some of these awards? What what was quite interesting when we were setting this up was that having spoken to a few people, some people were a little bit cagey about being too involved in the awards. And I can I kind of understand why. The approach in an entrepreneurship through acquisition type transaction is more gentle, more subtle than perhaps a traditional private equity type deal, where it's meant to be more collaborative. As I said earlier, the the buyers will often become quite friendly with the sellers. It's more of a process they go through together. Often there's a succession piece. And so I think that people were quite reluctant to be seen too much as on the side of, look, I've done a great deal. Because if one party's done a great deal, it tells us that the other side probably hasn't done such a good deal. And so what we've done, the way we've put together the criteria is to say, well, actually, look, what we believe is a great deal is creating value for both sides. And that's financial value, but it's also unlocking potential in a business that's not necessarily achieving its full potential. Because often, you know, these businesses are run by people who have been doing it for 30, 40 years um, and, and, and have, you know, by their own admission, not had to sweat the asset. They've, they've, they've been doing enough and, and that's good for them. So it's about deals that have created value for both sides, provided a succession solution. We're considered ESG in each of the awards. Um, and in fact, we've got an ESG Excellence Award on its own just to look at the various deals and see which one is really focused on that. Um, so some of the awards we've got, we've got self-funded and traditional categories, and we've got over 10 million enterprise value and under 10 million for each of those. ESG Excellence, as I said, we've got a Lender of the Year Award, and we've got uh, an Investor of the Year Award, and we've got an Intern of the Year Award as well, which is you know really our, who's the, who's the next star coming up in the, in this space. So yeah, I think it, it should be really good fun, but I think also there's some really good deals that we can celebrate and dish out some awards to some very deserving people. Wonderful. Well, and what's a website for someone to take a look at to just gather some information if they're interested in learning a little bit more about that? It would be Gerald Edelman, G-E-R-A-L-D-E-D-E-L-M-A-N.com forward slash awards. And that will take you straight to the awards website. Well, Carl, this is a great time in the show where we make a transition and we ask every guest the same four questions before they go. And the first question we ask is, have you had a miss or two in your career and something you learned from it? I've been pondering this question and everyone makes mistakes, but I think some of them are not, you know, are not worth dwelling on, right? A lot of the mistakes that seem like a big deal in the day that it happens, you very quickly forget about. I think there are one or two things that they were, you know, it was a miss, but actually it was it was a it was a good miss. I'm glad it happened. So I qualified as a chartered accountant in 2013. And I actually trained at Joel Edelman. And I decided when I qualified that actually what I should do is go out and 
you know, see the world in inverted commas there and, and, and go and experience something else. Cause I knew actually that I wanted to be a partner, or at least I thought I wanted to be a partner in a firm like Gerald Elliman. And I thought, well, before I do that, let me go and see what else is out there. And I went to Deloitte. So I went to, you know, one of the big four firms and had a, a really good experience from a learning perspective. Unfortunately, because of my nature, I overworked probably and didn't stop working. My my wife, although she wasn't my wife at the time, and she probably wouldn't have been if I was still at Deloitte, she wasn't particularly keen because I spent a lot of time, you know, away from home and and, and working around the clock. So I, I learned a lot in a short space of time. And I think it was valuable, but it was not the right place for me. And and so I ended up in in less than a year after leaving, I actually came back to Gerald Edelman. And so looking back, it wasn't the right thing for me to do. But you know what? I'm glad I did it because I had the experience and I got to realize that no, I was right. This is, you know, this is the place that that I want to be. And you know what? Since then I've you know, I've come up through the ranks, I've become a partner, I've become an equity partner, I've joined the exec board, and from the first of April next year, I'll actually be becoming a, a one of the two co-CEOs of the firm. So it it, it seemed to me that, you know, overall it's worked out fairly well. Let's talk about a make or two, a highlight to share. I think highlights of the career. I mean, one of, one of the things I did when I returned to the firm here at Gerald Edelman was to formalize the transaction services team. So we used to do a little bit of corporate finance work and, and, and transaction services, mostly due diligence work, when it came about from an existing client. And so it was fairly ad hoc and, and and there wasn't a great deal to it. We didn't have a focus department. When I came back, I was effectively employee number one of the transaction services team. And that was in 2014. By 2022, probably, we had about 11 people in that team and another 11 in the deal advisory team. So corporate finance as a whole has grown. And actually, whilst we're around the top number 50 in the top 100 firms in the UK our corporate finance function is well above you know that level in terms of the comparing it in itself against other firms of of our size so that's been a it, it's been a great experience to grow something and i think what's been brilliant is that i've been empowered to effectively take that and and build it up as a business i've said to some of my younger colleagues who are you know coming up through the ranks themselves that what what I did and the how the how I did it, I woke up every morning thinking, if I don't go out and make some stuff happen, I'm not gonna be able to pay the mortgage. Of course, of course I could because I had the support of the firm around me, but if you don't have that mindset, you're not gonna be out there driving for it. And you kind of have to think, I'm out on my own here and I've got to look after myself. And and I think that's been a really good experience. Well, let's talk about a multiplier that you've used to grow yourself or business, personally, professionally. You get a, a very broad range of answers on this one. And mine's quite simple, really. Um, it kind of touches on on the point I just made about the people around me. As I've developed in my career and kind of my role has changed, that's only capable by being able to delegate. And I think the key here, you know, the, the multiplier is is operational leverage. If there's one of me, there probably needs to be four others around me for me to do what it is that I need to do to move the firm forward or to move a department forward or or whatever that might be. Having a structure of quality people. And, you know, I've often listened to, I've listened to a fair amount of leadership stuff over the years. And, you know, people say, you know, you should never be afraid of hiring people who are better than you, right? Well, that's the ideal. 
that's the ideal because if you can give stuff away and know that it's going to be looked after and dealt with like everyone makes mistakes of course and people still need to learn and develop themselves but if you can pass stuff out know it's in a safe pair of hands it frees you up and just not having to hold those things in the back of your mind and worry about them constantly just having that headspace is is yeah invaluable and so i think building a structure and operational leverage is the multiplier for me the final question we ask every guest is what does success mean to you this has probably changed over the last i would say at least, at least you know the last seven years so i've got two young children a son who's just turned seven and i've got a daughter who's four and a half and i think you know when when you're younger there's different there's different objectives that you have right so particularly when you're in professional services and, and you're, you're training in a professional qualification, whatever it might be. And I think they, they, they start with fairly almost, almost kind of hygiene factors from a, from a professional, which is, you know, you need to qualify, you, you, need, you need to get your professional qualification, you need, you need to be able to do your job. And then it moves on to, you know, okay, you, you kind of want to progress up and get some soft skills and become a manager or, you know, you want to be able to do business development and grow a network and build a client base. And ultimately you think, right, you, you want to be able to manage well, earn well, you know, and, 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 and be, you know, successful as, as it would appear. I think as I've got older and perhaps progressed through more of that and had children, you know, your your objectives and your priorities change. You know, often often I think to myself, actually, you know, I, I would love to to sell everything and go and live in the woods in Scotland. You know, and never I would be bored within about fifteen minutes. You know, I couldn't do it, but but you think that. But I think it's just the balance. It's the balance of you know the work piece, but actually the reason that I'm at Joel Edelman, I'm not at Deloitte, is that there is the balance. You know, you could go and, and and I'm not I'm not saying necessarily that I would have made it to partner at Deloitte, you know. But even if I had, you earn a lot of money. You're you're very successful, you know, very, yeah, great. But you miss out on everything else and 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 there, there's not that balance. So I think for me, what's really important and how I measure success is having a really good balance of home life, family life, you know, social, sports, whatever it is you want to do outside of work and and having a meaningful job that you enjoy and the rest will come so that the the financial benefits you know the, the the happiness whatever else it is it will come if you if you if you find the balance wonderful well carl as we bring this to a close is there anything you are hoping to share or get across that you haven't had a chance to yet only really the you know as as i said i i'm sure my my interest um in in you know entrepreneurship for acquisition, search, but also transactions and M&A generally and business has, has come across. If there's anything in the UK that any of the listeners you know, want to discuss in terms of a transaction or some some financial aspect of a deal or, or, or any other kind of matter that an accountant might be able to help with we're here anyone that wants to to attend or or or, you know find out more about the awards which will be run again next year and hopefully annually thereafter um please don't hesitate to get in touch look we really enjoy having conversations with people about transactions about business we're here and very happy to have those chats Carl, thank you for a fantastic interview and let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways So takeaway number one is 
when Carl just talked about the concept of entrepreneurship through acquisition. I thought that was a great phrase and just great way to discuss it. And I love that they've launched this new award that they're offering for these great entrepreneurs that acquire brands and businesses. Takeaway number two is when he talked about search funds and that they're often set up by family offices, capital advisors, or investors. And the place that he suggested is a great way to start gathering information and finding potential partners is through a website called searchfunder.com. I was not familiar with that. So that was a nice little nugget and takeaway there. Takeaway number three is when he discussed the miss that he had where he worked at Gerald Edelman, the firm that he's currently a partner at, and then he decided to leave and he did that early on his career. And then about a year into leaving to go work for a big four accounting firm, realized that the big four lifestyle and what he had really wasn't for him and that this place he started was the best fit and the right fit for him. So I thought that was a great takeaway that sometimes leaving what you have is a great way to recognize and realize how great maybe you really had it and to go back to that. So I thought that was a great takeaway. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win came when Carl shared with us his multiplier. And his multiplier was operational leverage through delegation to great team members. And I thought that was great. Gaining operational leverage by hiring great staff and team, and then delegating to that staff and team. And I really liked how he said, don't be afraid to hire people that are better than you to delegate things to because they can do great work for you. And I thought that was great. And that's an avenue that I know I've often struggled with is delegating to my great team members. We have great team, trust them, delegate to them. And I know I've seen that struggle in other entrepreneurs and successful founders that I've worked with over the last 20 years. So that's a great win-win. And that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.